Today's episode is just packed with gems. We're going to be talking about a better way to think about goals. A different way of thinking about the concept of work-life balance. The important one-word question you need to be asking yourself all the time to keep yourself focused. The concept of orienteering. Two nightly routines that can help you have a better day the next day. And then a persuasive challenge to the concept of the ideal client. So much to talk about, so let's get to it. Hello and welcome to the Musician Toolkit, episode number 59. My name is David Lane and it is great to be with you once again. I'm going to be keeping this introduction purposely short. So just before the theme music, I kind of told you all the things we're going to be talking about today. It's a lot of stuff. So having told you what we're going to talk about, let me tell you who I am talking to. My guest today is Melissa Slocum. She lives in the Atlanta metro area. And through either in-person or online, she has a piano studio as a teacher. She also mentors other music teachers who want to start up their studio the right way or to maybe improve something that hasn't been working as well as they would like. She's a business coach and she is also a podcaster. She has a podcast called Sounds of Encouragement, whose tagline is Encouragement for Creatives. Well, besides that, she is also a friend and she is also someone that I have used as a client for her business coaching services. And among the many things we're going to talk about are some of the the more valuable pieces of general advice that she gave me. If you want specific advice, we're going to tell you how you can get in touch with her directly toward the end. But when it comes to thinking about goals and being motivated and being organized... I can almost promise you, no matter where you are in, the, in any of these aspects of your life, I'm sure you're going to hear something today that will inspire you. So without further delay, here is my conversation with Melissa Slocum. Melissa, it's great to connect with you once again. How are you doing today? Doing great. So wonderful to be on your podcast, David. Thanks for inviting me. Well, uh, and you you yourself are a podcaster. You have, uh, in fact, one that I'll refer to uh, at least a time or two in the episodes called Sounds of Encouragement. And um, that is one that, of course, I recommend, you know, all the listeners go check out. Uh, Thank you, you. You do a great job. With, you know, you have some solo episodes. You tend to have guests. Yes. And, and, you know, you talk about a lot of things and so forth. And I was just checking out um, one of your one of your recent episodes, but but also an older episode I'm going to refer to in, in a moment that was mm-hmm. kind of serendipitous. But um, so yeah, we you know you and I you and I are friends. We we had lunch yes. uh, about a you know well I guess I, I was going to say a few months ago, but you know time flies. I guess it was about yeah. like mostly not quite Last a year May. ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And besides, uh, you know, besides being friends. Uh, you know, I have, uh, I've worked with you as a client. We're going to talk about, you know, your coaching services, but, um, you are, I, in, in my estimation, you know, one of your strengths, I mean, you have a lot of strengths, uh, you know, but, but the ones that kind of stand out to me is that you, you're very contemplative about goals, goal setting, uh, and, you know, you have a podcast called Sounds of Encouragement. So definitely mm-hmm. you are an encourager, but, you know, I think a lot of times when we think about the word encouragement, we think about, you know, possibly, I think a lot of people will think about someone who's just like, um, you know, kind of like my mom was with me in music. I mean, it didn't matter what I composed. I could compose something that I know was kind of on a 12-tone side. And she's sure. like, well, that, well, that's pretty. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. and it's like, you know, I could do no wrong, you know. I, but the encouragement you offer, I think, is a little bit more helpful, and that is that you can perceive when someone is not feeling good about themselves, and you know that you can point out what they need to do to lift up. But also, if someone comes to you and says, I think that I can do this, and uh, and, and it'll lead to a lot of success, you know, you're, you're going to like put the brakes on that and say, well, wait a minute, <laughs> let's... Uh, 
maybe that's not the approach you want to take, you know, and, and so you're, you're an encourager, but I think you're also a pragmatist, which is a balance that I think sometimes we're missing in the coaching world. Um, so, you know, there's so many places we, we could go to start off with, but, uh, I thought, you know, we'll talk mainly about kind of goals and also motivation. So we're early in the year. This is going to come out. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think. It's kind of hard to, to think it. I believe this is going to come out before the month is over. So we're still sure. we're still in January sure. uh, when this is coming out. Uh, and you know, by the end of January, I bet a lot of a lot of us who have set our New Year's goals have already found that we've broken them. Or you know, if we've if we're the type that make resolutions, right. um, and you know, and I've seen you post online before that uh, you're not really a fan of new year's goals or resolutions in the traditional <laughs> sense. So how do you right. approach a new year when you're setting goals for yourself? What a great question. So I have my own rhythm and my own drumbeat that I march to, and I don't worry about what's trending or what other people are doing. I have found what works for me over the years. So what works for me is not something that I necessarily recommend everyone else do, but I share what I do as a way to say, hey, if your strategies are not currently working for you, this is just another idea to try and see if it's a good fit for you. So November tends to be the time of year when I most feel the need to review and regroup. And it's a time for me of solitude where I don't have a whole lot going on. And I have the opportunity to really reflect and kind of take in what have I done over the past year. So November is my month to recap and do my previous year, you know, year end analysis and all that type of work and really dig into my previous year's calendar, figure out what my wins were, where did I spend time that I really enjoyed that was positive for me? Where did I spend time that I didn't enjoy that I don't ever want to do again? and things like that. And from there, December becomes my time for setting intentions and setting some goals for the next year. Uh, And that's not a complete process. And what I mean by that is I am always revisiting those ideas that I might have in December and always tweaking and refining. And so actually my December goal setting timeframe is a wonderful period of dreaming and of just thinking out loud and just just sort of you know putting all the thoughts putting all the ideas down on paper and then usually along about april time springtime that's when i really do the actual planning for the whole next school year Um, i run a studio on a school year So my studio planning really does happen in April for the following school year. I set my calendar for the following school year. Um, And April is a time for me to really review then and check in like, okay, so I said in December, this is what I wanted to do. How am I actually doing? How did I do in quarter one? How am I doing in quarter two? Is there anything that needs to be changed for quarters three and four? So I do set goals in December. And I actually, um, I don't set very many in December. So December is like the big umbrella type idea type goals. So that's where I might say, okay, my target for the next year is to, let's say, for example, increase revenue 10% Mm -hmm. or whatever that number is. Um, And then I'm going to go quarterly through that and say, okay, now my quarterly goals, here's where and when that needs to happen. I may not be able to increase revenue 10% starting in January. Right. I personally don't raise my rates in January. I know a lot of people do that. I do it in August when my new school year starts with my clients Mm -hmm. in my studio. So I really start to plug those big dreams and those big goals into when do those make the most sense based on the quarter in which that naturally happens throughout my business and then i can work backwards in those quarterly periods to start to strategize and say okay well if i'm going to meet this target by quarter two quarter three then here's what needs to happen in those quarters and in the time leading up to those quarterly periods so that I know I'm reaching those goals. So eventually it does all get fleshed out and more detailed into the weekly strategies. Um, And I use tools like uh, MEM 
is a notation uh, platform that I use. Um, I can use Trello boards for keeping track of some projects and things like that. And then I use Google Calendar as well, uh, just to sort of track and visualize where some of these targets need to hit and then to strategize and plan backward. Um, there are lots of tools that people can use and I don't recommend any particular one. And so when I share something that I use, it's just to say, this is what I've figured out works for me, but you have to figure out what works for you. Um, so that's sort of where I go in terms of the timing of setting those things. New year for me is not a great time for me to set resolutions or intentions or a word or anything like that. Uh, it's just not been a helpful practice for me. I love it for people. If it works for them, that's awesome. I encourage them to keep that up. But for me, I tend to focus, more, I think, more towards solstice periods like um, fall and spring. Right. It, you know, everyone has to kind of find the rhythm that fits them. I, I, I have another uh, colleague that I talk to, and she sets her goals. Um, her Basically, her quarter starts in February. She, mm -hmm. January is like the month off, you know, and it's just like mm -hmm. recover, regroup, get your right. stuff together and then start in February. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we, calendar is kind of an artificial construct anyway. Like there's nothing yes. magic about going from December 31st to January 1st. Although other than motivation. And of course, you know, we'll talk right. a little bit more about motivation in just a moment, but, um, yeah, tools that work for you. I, I use, um, I have Trello. I haven't gotten into it as much. Um, I found a lot of use, you know, having a an Apple computer and, and an iPhone of using the Things app, the T-H-I-N-G-S, mm -hmm. which, um, which I love because if as long as I've got the app open, uh, if something hits my brain like, oh, I got to do this, I control space bar and it opens up a little window and, and I just type it out and then I can go to that section and yeah. assign a date to it and connect it with a calendar and all that. So it's yeah, just kind of finding out what, but I've met people who say, I don't like that app. So. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. You know, I like, I have people in my life who love Notion. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't work for me, but that's okay. If it works for them, more power to them. And there are lots of platforms out there. Um, I use Slack too, when I'm communicating with different groups of people. Um, so there are lots of tools out there. I think you just have to try one and stick with it for a little bit to get used to it and then see if it works for you. And if it doesn't, it usually is not a failure on your part. Remember, it's just not the right tool for you. Right. Um, you kind of mentioned, you know, you don't, you don't do a lot of goals. And I want to talk about kind of quantity versus quality. <laughs> I, I've found sometimes like some files from like maybe 2008 or somewhere, you know, where I had like goals for the year. And, you know, it was 11 point <laughs> font and two or three screens of just checklist Ooh. after checklist. And I just don't know what I was thinking back then. Yeah. And I've gotten to a point where now, um, it's really more about big ideas that can become smaller steps. But talk to talk to us about like your your philosophy of setting goals and what you know what's a good number for you and how do you know just how do you start with a with a goal for either whether it's for a year or whether it's for like the next five years or you know how do you start with goals? Yeah, so. I have different areas of my business like most of us do. A lot of us are portfolio musicians or we use that kind of quilt metaphor to put together an income. And so we have different avenues that bring in revenue. Mm -hmm. And so I usually try to set one goal for each revenue stream. So for example, in my studio, if my goal is to increase revenue 10%, that's my only goal. Mm -hmm. That's it. I have one goal for my studio. And, um, you know, sometimes it's about revenue. Sometimes it has nothing to do with revenue. Um, sometimes it's all about like this year, my goal for my studio is that I really immerse myself in learning and rehabbing my technique with a great Talman technique teacher for piano and I continue my audiation learning uh, so that I can bring that richness to my students. So for me, this is a learning year in my studio, not a revenue focused year or like an increase the studio or, or grow the studio year. It's really a learning year. Um, I have one goal for my podcast and that's just to increase subscribership on the YouTube channel, you know, and I have a target number, but really it's just the goal is increase. Uh, I have a goal for selling my online course. I have a goal for my coaching business. So I really only have four professional goals that I'm working toward. 
But like you said, those are very big overarching types of goals that I might have very specific subsets. So for example, in my studio, if my goal is to learn uh, and enrich my own teaching, then I'm taking Taubman technique lessons and I'm taking audiation lessons from master teachers. So yes, those goals do break out a little bit into smaller components, but again, I try to keep it very minimal, not as a way to stay vague, but as a way to prevent the overwhelm, which is what really quashes our motivation. Right. I, I love the whole idea of like starting off with a with a big thing and then, okay, so what does that mean to do that? So like if you, okay, if you want to increase your revenue, it's like we also have to increase your value. So what are some mm-hmm. things that you can do to become more valuable than you are now? And I think that's the thing that's missing. You know, there's, there's a whole lot of just raise your rates uh, talk out there. Um, which, you know, yeah, probably for a lot of people, yes, I, I think a lot of people undercharge, you know, so raising your rates is a good idea, but, but also are you worth <laughs> that rate change? Are you, are you, are you doing some things that differentiate, you know, so whether right. you're a teacher or you're a performer or, or something, you know, like that. And, and I, I think that's maybe an uncomfortable conversation or an uncomfortable look for a lot of people, but it's necessary you know, the things that you are doing. But I also like how, you know, big goals can lead to something smaller. So one of my goals um, for 2024 is to monetize my YouTube channel. So I have the number of subscribers needed and I have, I forgot, there's one other, there's one other thing that I've also reached. I'm way short on watch hours within a calendar year. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, way short. I'm about maybe 40% of what I need to be. Sure. So I think, well, how can I do that? Well, one thing that I could do is get to the point to where I'm regularly producing videos that people want to watch and not mm-hmm. letting weeks and sometimes months go by without new content and make yeah. sure that that content is similar enough to the content that's really drawing in viewership. So I have to have to kind of look at the numbers and have to say, okay, people really like this type of video. So if they like this type of video, they'll probably like this and this and this, and I need to just get into the rhythm of producing those videos regularly. And YouTube loves that, loves that when you produce content regularly. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of understanding, you know, how, how do you make this goal happen? And I know that if I do that for and sustain it, um, you know, it's inevitable that I'm going to get to that goal. Now, whether I get there by December 31st, 2024, if it happens in March of sure. 2025, doesn't matter, but right. we're shooting for it, you know, and we're make, taking steps to get there. Right. And you can even change the terminology and say, hey, this isn't a goal, it's a target. Yeah. You know, and, and targets are great because you can get really close <laughs> yep. and still feel really great about, I got so close, I almost hit the bullseye, but I'm still going to celebrate the fact that I got almost there. And then it's it doesn't feel so much like a failure, like, oh, you didn't reach your goal. Well, no, but I got 95.9% there or whatever. So I think it's important to 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 reframe some of those things in our in our brain about how we how we view those goals. Um, And I can I can share more about how I do that with students too later, because we don't just talk about how we're growing in our goals and meeting our goals. But in my studio, we talk about the habits that help us get there. Yeah. And um, we never want to talk about someone like as adults, we know that failure is essential um, to oftentimes breaking through to success. Uh, but I will never tell a child that they failed, right? I might talk about how, oh, well, we didn't reach your goal, but look at how you've grown as a human being over the course of a year. So, you know, there are ways to um, still be encouraging and still be uplifting and to help people move forward, even if they don't reach a particular goal. And sometimes that's as simple as changing the terminology. That is so important, talking about targets. <laughs> I mean, I know this has nothing to do with music, but I have a friend who, who was trying to lose weight. She was on a diet, and she was doing one of those programs where you, uh, I don't know if you write a check, that you have to achieve a certain mm. certain degree of something before you, 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 I don't know, you have to lose a certain amount, sure. or you owe this money. It's like It's like a betting with yourself. And she didn't make that, and she felt so bad that she just completely stopped with the diet and just completely gave up on it. Whereas 
if you thought of it as a target <laughs> and you didn't put such high stakes on meeting that number, but just going toward that number, you right. could have had such more positive reinforcement. It's like uh, I'm working on the Samuel Barber piano sonata because it's mm. very hard for me. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's hard for a lot of people, yes. <laughs> but, but it, it's a very difficult piece, but it's one to stretch yeah. me. And I, I foresee not doing all four movements by the end of the year. Mm. I, I'm feeling pretty good with two of them and fairly confident with the third one. But the the fourth movement is you know such a difficult fugue. I, I'm just thinking yeah. if I can get it going and say there's progress being made, that's good. It doesn't have to happen by the end of the year. So, but it's a target. If I can get it by the yeah. end of the year, I will. You know, I'll push to do that. But yeah, yeah. And the the other thing to remember too is life happens yep. for all of us, and targets and goals are wonderful but i always tell people or i try to remind people if they're very very focused on a particular outcome of a goal like oh well when i achieve this then i'll feel this and i'm like well hold on maybe but if life happens Mm -hmm. if there's a death in the family if you become ill if there's a pandemic if there's an economic downturn life happens yeah and so it's okay to say i'm not going to reach my targets i'm not going to achieve my goals this year but i can also point to this is why you know in 2020 we all went on lockdowns mm-hmm. and a lot of us didn't reach our targets and didn't reach our goals that year and that's okay but that's also a great argument for having sort of a plan b sketched out so that okay if i don't make my targets is there a plan B in place that I can sort of grab onto if the worst happens or if life happens and I just need to regroup and it's okay to do that. That's why it's so helpful for me to like set these big intentions and set these big goals in December, but then really revisit them in April and really get down to brass tacks in April and do the actual scheduling and planning for the next year because then I can go, oh yeah, look at how life changed in the last five months because this isn't going to happen anymore. Right. Uh, you know, not not that we want to really go here, but, you know, I, you know, 2024 is an election year and it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it, we, we could say it's probably a pretty important one. Uh, I mean, they're all kind of important, but it just seems like it's a pretty big deal. We've got events going on in the Middle East. We've got all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, you we have AI. We have mm-hmm. a lot of things that mean the future is unknown about like what's possible, what's available. And, you know, just like, uh, you know, it may not be like a pandemic, but we may all have to pivot how we're thinking. How many teachers are mm-hmm. online now that never considered it before 2020? <laughs> right. yeah. And 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 now I think for a lot of people, not everybody, but for a lot of people, it's just kind of a regular part of what you do. And it's an, actually an added opportunity, but it's something that we didn't, a lot of us didn't even really think about until we had to think about it so you never know what life is going to bring that you're just going to have to say um going to have to rethink how i'm going about things so yeah being revisiting and pivoting is so important uh so i had a serendipitous moment i wanted to catch up on your podcast because i hadn't listened to it lately before our interview and i had a moment so i'll go two days ago I had a frustrating day. I was, I, I, I'm, I have not done a good job as much as I like of saying no. <laughs> and yeah, I am right, just right. busy, 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 busy. Yeah. And to the, to the point to where it's like, I have to start in the morning to get what I want done. Teaching the afternoon, rehearsal in the evening. It's just a lot mm. of stuff going on. And, you know, and I found myself, you know, just kind of saying to my wife, it's like, I hate being this busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really tired of it, but, but then I started thinking about it more and more and I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm approaching this wrong. Maybe it's not that, um, you know, why, why do I feel this way? It's kind of started thinking about that. And I started thinking, well, it's because there's so much that I want to accomplish. I, I want to get to a schedule in the YouTube. I want to get ahead on my podcasting so that I can like have, you know, several weeks in the vault scheduled right. ready to go and I can, you know, take a break from it and so right. forth. So, uh, and it's just 
among many things, have a recording project. I want to get done with that. Um, and, and I started thinking about what I've heard a lot of people talking about batching your works, you know, about yes. batching your work to get it done. And then I decided, you know, it's just looking at your past episodes and, and who knows if you still feel the same way in 2024 that you did in 2021, but you put out an episode on January 27th, 2021 about the kind of the myth of the work-life balance. And it's not that yes. it's a myth, but it's a myth yes. of how we go about it. Yes. And you talked about the importance of embracing seasons and cycles. So, you know, and I think your point was, yeah, you may not have the leisure time you want for maybe several weeks or several months, but you can claim it later on. <laughs> you know, you can mm -hmm. have your, your month in the year or your weeks in the year where you, you do just that. You let work go for a while and you just embrace the leisure. And I think I fall into the trap that so many other people do is like, I'm trying to find that day where I've got two, three hours of just fun time, family time. And, and then also I'm getting all of the work done and it's all happening in the same day, but mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to be how life works. And it doesn't seem to be how, uh, how it's going to work for most of us. So yeah. batching, you know, it, cause so, so I really started thinking about that because I was thinking about this at the same time. I'm going to have to take a week, you know, where I work on just this recording project in high energy, get it done. I'm going to take probably three or four weeks where I really focus on the podcast, get it right. way ahead. Right. And then I'm not just going to let that go. And then I'm going to mm -hmm. focus on YouTube and I'm going to get pre-production, production, post-production, post get everything planned, uh, probably take several days and shoot a bunch of videos in a row. And then mm -hmm. take a few days where I do nothing but editing and then let that go you know, and, mm -hmm. and just kind of go on to the next thing. And it'll be a cycle. It's not going to be a thing where I'm done for good, but I can get way ahead and I can let it go and I can focus on something else. And at some point I'll just say, you know what, I'm going to take off for a couple of weeks and go to the beach. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. You know, so many people struggle with balance and when we are relentlessly in the pursuit of balance, we've missed the point. You know, I understand that it's important to have family time. I understand that it's important to have work time and to separate those two. I do do I do understand that. And that is important. But I think it's a little bit simplistic to to say or to assume that we're going to have balance every day. Yeah, or that we're gonna have balance every week or every month. There are times of year in whatever industry that you are in that are gonna be way busier. We just got through one for most musicians. November, December is a really busy, busy time of year, full of extra gigs, full of extra music, full of all sorts of things. Other musicians are, are coming into their busy season now with auditions for shows and with um, solo ensemble accompaniments and, and competitions. And you know, we're coming into another busy season. So I think it's important to kind of say, oh, well, if December is really busy and if February or March is really busy, maybe I should back off a little bit in January and maybe not say yes to all of those other things because I really do need January as a month where I, it's for me. It's for me to regroup and to just enjoy and spend time with my family. So I think it's important to recognize when are your busy times of year I always know when those occur in my studio. And so I always say no in August when I am ramping up for a new school year to all the other requests that come in in August. And, you know, I, I just know myself well enough to know that that is not a month where I can be all things to all people. Um, I can tell my family, like, you know, particularly March is a particularly busy month for me this year. I have already put all that on our family calendar and I've already told my family, hey, I'm not going to be able to pick up any slack in March. I am booked solid in March. And so I will be here. And if you really need something, I am happy to support you and happy to be present. But there will be no extra stuff from mom right. <laughs> in the month of March, because pretty much from, you know, March 1 to March 31, I'm booked solid, unfortunately. And, you know, my family knows me well enough to know that I will still be present 
but they will know we can't add on to that for her because she's just doing everything she can to keep up. Um, but because again, I do that quarterly planning, I do that forecasting, I do the calendaring. We already know that. Yeah. So we're, we can prepare for that. Yeah. Communication is really helpful if it involves, you know, you know, other people, you know, uh, you know, if was, we, we kind of changed some things since we moved into our new home. And one of them yeah. is like meal planning, who's cooking what, yeah. when, and, and, right. uh, you know, my wife, you know, she's a graphic designer, so it's color coded and, you know, ah. there's a, there's a black that's that, you know, anytime it says black, I know it means you're on your own, help yourself. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk about, uh, you know, again, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I've been a client of yours before, and I want to talk about some things that you advised me on that I found were helpful. So, you know, you, you coach a lot of people. We're not going to give away everything. So, <laughs> you know, people, <laughs> okay. there's still plenty, there's still it plenty changes of, for everybody. So <laughs> there's still plenty of value for, for, for anybody who, who yeah. would like to seek your services. But so I know that you often talk about, the concept of thinking about why you do something. And this is related to Simon Sinek. You have a book club, mm-hmm. an online book club, uh, all about, you know, your notes from the infinite game, which is one of his right. books, but talk about the importance of why, you know, when we're thinking about our goals, we think about what, maybe not all of us think about why talk about the importance of why. Yeah. I love this question because this is the part that most people skip. And then they get down the road in their business after a few years and they wonder why things aren't working. And it's because they've skipped the most foundational step, which is understanding who they are, what their qualities are, what they bring to the table and why they're doing what they're doing. And it's sort of like having a compass when we don't have a compass and we don't have something set as our, you know, orienteering target we're going to fail every single time. You know, we're um, lifelong scouts in our family, Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, and took our kids through scouts and taught our kids how to do all the orienteering. I've paddled all different, you know, parts, especially the boundary waters in northern Minnesota and Canada. And orienteering is an, an, an exceptionally valuable skill in places where you don't really have road signs. Mm-hmm. And business is a lot like that. And so when you're just out there paddling, trying to keep the business running, if you don't have your own roadmap and if you don't have your own compass, then you're just going to wander all over the place and you're never going to reach your targets or goals. So I really like using tools like Simon Sinek's Infinite Game. Um, Doug Conant has a wonderful activity that I use uh, about leadership story and life story, which you did. Uh, and there are lots of great tools out there. Um, Adam Grant has some wonderful things. Um, all sorts of people have wonderful tools out there. And I will use different tools depending on who I'm working with and what they need. But when we've done that inner work and when we know our own personality, we know our own habits, we know our strengths, we know our passions, we know our non-negotiables, we know the things we hate doing that we need to delegate, then we can create the kind of environment and the kind of roadmap for ourselves that sets us up for success. Why? Because when we do that work, we're already differentiated from everybody else in our industry. And because we've done that work, we will naturally draw people to us who want to work with us and who resonate with us. Um, When we skip that kind of work, we have no idea what makes us unique or special. We have no idea how powerful our stories are. We have no idea what our leadership strengths are and what we need to build up or what we need to just run with. So for me, all of that kind of work is very, very foundational because it's like a compass um and for me that's always been a very strong way to keep me moving forward uh years and years ago there were um you know back in the 90s there were books written about purpose driven Mm -hmm. and it sort of goes back to that idea of purpose but um what i love about cynic's work is that he talks about just cause and worthy rivals and purpose is okay but i think especially in today's environment and millennials and Gen Y um, and Gen Z who are much more focused on 
you know, the state of the world mm -hmm. and they want a compelling reason, um, not just to work, but to actually affect change in the world. I think that I, that idea of just cause is very, very important, not only for us as business owners, but for our clients as well. When we can present a just cause about our business and when we can say, this is who I am as your teacher, this is who I am as a leader, this is who I am as a business owner, this is what I'm here for, this is why I'm here on the planet. It's incredibly compelling and people get drawn to that. Or they will say, well, I'm not about that. So I'm not, I'm going to go over here because I, I don't want to do that. And that's perfectly okay. But that's where that differentiation sort of naturally comes about and naturally happens. But only if you've done that foundational work. Yes. And, and the other, you know, one of the other things about the importance of why, and, uh, you know, if you're, a, if you're a current student of mine, I'm going to say skip ahead about 15 seconds so you don't hear this. <laughs> I don't always feel like teaching. Like I, I feel like I'm, yeah. why am I teaching? And I have to stop and ask myself, what are the, what are the reasons that, that I have? And I've, and I've done my own exercises. I, I know why those are, but those reasons get me through those times where it just feels like it's not at its best. You know, it's like, I, and I think, I don't care what you choose. You're going to have a moment where you just don't feel like it, you know? And, mm -hmm. and this is that whole thing. If you do what you love, you, <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of an annoying phrase to me. If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Right. Um, right. I, I just don't believe anybody who says that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if you do what you love and you're making income from it, you're working really hard and there's going to be yeah. times that you just get tired of it. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, sometimes you just have to take a break, but then other times you have to kind of recenter. Why am I doing this? And sometimes the why might lead you to approach it in a different way, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it may real you may realize I'm struggling with this because I've been doing things in a way that go against my why I've been doing a what, mm -hmm. you know, and, but it's right. going, the wrong way. Like, for example, for me, you know, I kind of determined, um, you know, I will still work with younger students, but I have a more passion for adults and older students. Yeah. And so there are ways about going about lesson planning and, and even marketing that doesn't mm -hmm. really suit me the way it will other teachers who focus more on younger students, you know. So I have to think about, you know, and why is it that I that I prefer that? These are all questions that I have to ask. But that's an important question that everyone has to ask. You know, why are you playing your instrument? You know, why why mm -hmm. do you want to get good? Why are why are you a musician? <laughs> you know, why do you want to be yeah. a professional musician? Um, yeah. And it has and and I think the answer is very important because if it's just uh, I want to be the best pianist, or if I want to be uh, I don't want to make a lot of money. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I find that the sh there are certain answers that crumble in adversity. And yeah. you, need, you need a reason that will stand up in adversity. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, for a business owner, uh, I see this a lot online. Um, people answer that why question in their business by saying, well, my business exists to make money. What else could there be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I hear you, but if that's all you're doing, then I'm not compelled. That doesn't give me any sense of who you are and what you bring to the planet. And it makes me not at all want to engage and work with you because that isn't a compelling motivation for me, you know, to want to collaborate with someone or work with someone. So I always challenge that idea. Yes, business is about making money. Absolutely. 100%. But there has to be something more. And, and if all you're doing is making money and that is your goal, you're playing that other game. You're playing the finite game, as Cynic would say. And I'm more interested because I'm a systems theorist and because I come from that world of organizational communication and psychology and development, I'm more interested in process and I'm more interested in the infinite game. To me, that is much more compelling. You know, when you even look at the name of my studio, mm -hmm. Music for Life, yep. it's a process. It doesn't stop. It's lifelong. And so for me, that's a much more compelling um, studio name. It's a much more compelling vision. It's a much more compelling way to enter into those studio relationships with my clients. Right. I think related to this, taking kind of a hard look of, you know, what it is that you really offer and what is a value. And I don't know if this came from a Simon Sinek book or, or someone else, 
but you know kodak is often used as kind of like yes. a, a good example kodak thought that they were in the business of selling cameras and film yep but failed to realize that they were in the business for uh creating memories yeah and so didn't understand didn't see the world heading toward digital and becoming digital cameras and didn't go that way and didn't see themselves going that way and this happens all the time this is why businesses go from thriving to then you don't hear about them again you know it's like block blockbuster thought that they were mm -hmm. a physical video store yep. whereas you have someone like netflix that says no we're just trying to embrace technology to make movies and television shows convenient and <laughs> you know it's just little things like that you know it, it's so, so so sometimes it's it's redefining your why it's like is is does my why if i'm if i'm um if i'm a professional does my why suit what clients are looking for and what i can offer yep and if you're having trouble finding that sometimes you can look at the testimonials that your clients come back to you with and you'll find your why there they'll tell you they'll tell you nice. you know um because i know for me in my studio and the testimonials that i receive and the people that i work with it has very little to do like yes we learn piano and we learn music yeah but that's actually the byproduct the actual thing that we're doing is we're building strong healthy relationships and i'm teaching young humans how to be great humans in the world right ah mm -hmm. you know what a privilege and what a responsibility so it's so much bigger than just teaching a lesson and making that whatever rate it's about being in community and mentoring one another and all of us being open to that process. So I agree with you. That's, that's what drives. And, and on those days, there will be those days where you're like, can't do this. Right. <laughs> can't, can't hear this song one more time. Right. Can't deal with this anymore. And that happens. That's okay. Yep. But that's where that compass helps bring us back around. You know, when we have a compass mm -hmm. and we use a compass, that doesn't mean our route from point A to point B is straight. Yeah. It simply means we have a direction. And I know from experience as a, a kayaker and a canoer, when you paddle, you zigzag. Yes. That's how you actually make the fastest progress to your, to your, you know, whatever point you're headed toward. And so if you remember that it's not just going to be a linear, straight, easy path, you're going to have zigzags. You're going to have bumps. You're going to have stuff that's going to throw you off course. You might hit a storm. You might go through a global pandemic. I don't know. But if you have those compass points or if you have a, a why, you will eventually get to whatever target or whatever goal you've set. Um, the other uh, the other thing I want to talk about, just kind of related to our coaching sessions, um, your coaching session with me, is you gave me a, a couple of nighttime rituals to establish. And um, the first one was to get kind of a separate journal to where I record my wins. I don't think you gave me a number, but I kind of settled on three. I want mm. like three wins to kind of choose for each day. And sometimes it's really struggling to think like, well, okay, well, I had a, had a nice dinner with my <laughs> wife or I had a really good walk yeah. today. You know, this is yeah. what I'm thinking of. It, it's not always um, like I had a gig and, and made a lot of money today. You know, it's not anything like that. But so it's sometimes it's a challenge to think about that. But coming up with some wins each day, writing them down. The, the other thing that you mentioned was just taking a few minutes each day to declutter your environment. So, mm -hmm. um, why do you think that's helpful? And, and, and you, and you specifically told me do it at the end of the day. You know, I don't, I, yeah. you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it would have been bad if I did it at the beginning, but you told me to do this at the end. So why at the end of the day and why those two things? So decluttering is something that I tend to notice with business owners, um, throughout my life. Uh, and whether this was in my own family, um, my father was a small business owner as a general contractor, uh, to friends and colleagues and, and now, um, other folks that I, I have watched and coached and mentored a cluttered space reflects a cluttered mind. Mm -hmm. So when we, you know, it's okay to have a cluttered space after we've worked all day, that happens. 
right? That's normal because it means we've been productive. We've we've pulled the things out. We've we've got you know a messy desk. We've got you know stuff. I've got usually music all over <laughs> my studio at the end of the day. But <clears throat> the worst thing I can do to myself is wake up the next morning and have to face that mess because that is not a good formula for success for me. And if I start de if I start in a cluttered state then I'm sort of frantic, like, well, now what do I do? And now I've got to start with yesterday's baggage. And then it sort of derails the whole day. And I find that that's true for a lot of business owners. Now, are there occasions where it's like, ooh, I just finished this lesson, I got to run out the door because I've got this event? Yes, it happens. But generally speaking, if we have a cluttered space, we have a cluttered mind, and we're not very clear on who we are and what we're about and what we need to do in a given day. So for me, having that habit and establishing that habit of just putting stuff away at night, decluttering, even if there isn't that much to do, sometimes just having that decluttering habit, you're like, oh, actually, I found that piece of music that I've been searching for for three months. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was buried under whatever. Or I found that document that I needed a week ago, but now I have it again. So decluttering at the end of the day tends to be something that I've found for business owners, especially small business owners who have a million things that we're juggling, tends to be what helps to wrap us up for the day, kind of puts that cap on the day. And then the next day when we walk into our place of business, it's clear. And then our mind is clear. And we're ready to go. And I just want to interject to say the whole process of moving was very stressful (laughs) in terms of always having stuff out, going in boxes, having boxes everywhere, having stuff ready to be packed. And it's just like, oh, I can't wait to get all this stuff put away. (laughs) So I just want to say, yeah, that, that, that really amplified the whole need for that. So. It does. It does. And the same with recording our wins at night. You know, we get to the end of a day and we might be exhausted. And what do we usually do? We focus on what went wrong. Mm -hmm. And we focus on all the negative things without remembering, oh, yeah, I had that one lesson that went really great. Or I had a client call me and and we had this wonderful conversation. Or I had a great dinner. (laughs) Sometimes it has nothing to do with work. It's like, oh, I just had a great workout this morning, you know, or or I had a good hair day, you know, or whatever. Or I got out to, you know, take care of something that was really important to me. So recording those wins at night, again, we're putting a cap on the end of the day that's positive, where we can say, I've put the day to rest. I've decluttered and I and I've recorded my wins and I feel good about myself. I feel good about my work regardless of what went on. It could mm-hmm. have been a train wreck of a day. Yeah. But if I can find at least one thing that went right and if I know I'm set for the next day, then I can walk in the next day and I'm not carrying all that baggage from the day before. Yeah. Uh, and and of course thing about evening is, you know, for most of us, it's, it's when we go to sleep. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, if you're, if you're focused on what went wrong, it tends to keep you up. Mm-hmm. But if you've ended your day, or very close to the end of your day, thought about what went right, that yeah. helps you relax, and helps you to sleep better. <laughs> it does. It yeah. does. Um, I know there's so much, so much that we could talk about. And just because, um, you know, you know, but just because of time, I want to just kind of skip to yeah. one thing. You had, uh, you had a post, and who knows, it might even be called controversial. Oh yeah, <laughs> I got pushed back. Yeah, <laughs> but you had a series uh, that goes against the grain of what a lot of coaches will teach, yeah. and that is the idea of having an ideal client, and so. Just if could kind of summarize what what those posts and these are these are blog posts on your website mm-hmm. so people can go find those and I encourage everybody to read it and and just see what you have to say but just kind of in a nutshell just summarizing what led you to do those posts and why do you think it's bad f- for us to have the mindset of an ideal of seeking the ideal client yeah. I appreciate you bringing this up because I, for the last few years, have been leaning very hard into the anti-racism work. I have uh, not only been reading and following some great content creators online, 
but I've also, uh, I just finished actually a couple of years worth of really intense and wonderful counseling um, to really kind of unpack my own um, racial biases, ethnic biases, things like that. And so for me in doing the anti-racism work uh, and understanding just my own biases, it was important for me to kind of push back against that idea of ideal client. And that's the number one reason is ideal client, whether we think we have biases or not, we do. And when we use that framework or that construct of ideal client, we're actually perpetuating our own biases, uh, perpetuating stereotypes that are not helpful. And we're creating this very narrow and often discriminatory idea of what is ideal in terms of, of a client. And uh, in doing that, we're shutting out a whole lot of possibilities for our own growth personally, um, for numerical growth in our businesses. Um, and you know, we really do risk actually being uh, discriminatory in our businesses, which no one really wants, right? right. And so for me, that was the, the first pillar that I talked about in those articles was this idea of bias and how ideal client without us really knowing it plays into that uh, idea of bias. And it's very, very difficult to, you know, to, it's easy for us to say, oh, I don't have any biases. I accept everybody. Yeah. But when we're told to create these ideal client avatars, oftentimes our biases sneak in without us even knowing it. And I was doing the same thing. So it took that anti-racism work. It took that inner work of dealing with my own biases, working with a counselor, listening to different creators to really learn like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I really right. shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> right. And, and this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm creating. So, um, after that first uh, blog post, um, I continued to kind of go deep into more research. And when you actually do your market research in a given community, wherever you live, um, you'll find that ideal client strategies really do shrink your pool of potential clients significantly. And that's not what we want. Um, do we want to um, attract everyone? Probably not. Right. But again, that goes back to knowing yourself as a leader and who you are, because that's what's going to differentiate you. And that's what's going to draw pe the right people to you is not those people and those avatar avatars. It's who you are. You are going to resonate with some people and you're not going to resonate with others. So and for most of us in service based businesses, it's all about relationships. And when we understand that, we can kind of take the the relationship um off of other people and say the relationship starts with me and i'm going to build my business based on my great qualities on my ability as a business person my ability as a musician or whatever it is that you do and i'm going to take responsibility for that relationship i'm not going to put the responsibility for the relationship 100 percent of my client i'm going to put most of that responsibility on me and my leadership and who I am, and I'm going to grow myself emotionally and grow myself um, as as a human being to make sure that I'm weeding out those biases and that I'm really understanding what I'm projecting and what I'm putting out there and what I'm putting into those relationships. So ideal client for me um, also sets up this really from the get go, um, an idea of perfection that's mm -hmm. going to fail. Because what if you have an ideal client? who all of a sudden something happens in their life and they no longer can pay on time or they start not replying to emails or they start not showing up. Um, does that mean they're no longer an ideal client? Right. You know, it just, it sets us up from failure from day one and disappointment because people change. And what I love about not having this perfect idea or this ideal client is that it opens me up to all types of people that I can build relationships with and that I can learn from. And when I open myself up to that, it actually makes me a better business person and a better human being. And so for me personally, doesn't mean you have to buy into this, doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but for me personally, ideal client is very limiting at best 
and discriminatory at worst. And so that's why I recommend not using that. But again, it's I the pushback I received on it. Um, some of it was people saying, well, ideal client is very general. It's not specific. It's not based on ethnicity or race. And it's like, yes, I understand that. But unless you've already dealt with your own personal biases and you've done that work, it's still a really hard concept for me because of some of those other reasons of, of just really limiting your, your potential pool of clients anyway in your, in your market. Right. And if I was just to kind of put this in a way that I might, um, that I think, I can understand it with, um, since we're a couple of piano teachers and I also teach composition, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of throw in a violinist cause, cause I know mm. a few, <laughs> you know, so a, a violinist might say that, that, that teaches might say, I'm not really comfortable with students whose goal is to learn how to play bluegrass fiddling, or they might sure. say, Oh, actually those are the types of students I really want. Sure. That's to me, that's not, using an ideal client it's kind of saying my strengths are this and and if if you're looking for this i'm the right teacher or if you're looking for this i'm not the right teacher depending on my personal strengths but what where it comes into where it becomes a problem is when you actually sit down and um my i so my the client that i'm seeking uh his name is john right. and right. he makes uh $200,000 a year and mm -hmm. you know he likes to do this when he's not playing a music music right. when you start getting that specific right. yeah that that's where if you think about who you might be excluding and uh, that's where i think the problems come in and it seems to me that's what you were kind of addressing is when we get that specific into our ideal client we're we are really narrowing the pool beyond our personal strengths and yeah what we're able to provide exactly well said so you you have a lot of hats uh i guess just talk <laughs> about um you know where people can find services for you i mean, whether whether it's to study with you as a piano teacher whether it's to you uh to solicit your services as a business coach and also where people could find your podcast so anything you'd like to share where can people find out more about you <laughs> yeah everything is housed under one website and it's called musicgrow.com. That's musicgro.com. And you'll find everything there. So whether you are looking for business coaching, you can find all the offerings there. If you um, are looking for the podcast, uh, there's a podcast page there that uh, will take you to all the podcasts that you can listen to. It's called Sounds of Encouragement. You can also go to the YouTube channel or find it on any streaming platform. I have an online course for music teachers called Music Lesson Pathways that will help you streamline planning and hopefully increase your bottom line. And that's also housed on the main website under the music music teaching resources. So there's kind of a lot uh, that I do, but it's all there. Um, I have some also some resources there. I have a workbook for the Simon Sinek book that you can purchase if you want to do um, the book on your own, but just with a, a workbook that kind of guides you through each chapter with my observations and my questions and helping you craft your own just cause. That workbook is there for you to purchase and download at your convenience. Uh, if you would like to join a book club, I am launching another group that is forming. So you can reach out to me uh, anywhere on any platform uh, or through the website. And uh, just let me know that you're interested in the book club and we'll, uh, we're actually getting a, a pretty good group together. Um, hopefully we can start shortly. Uh, so there are lots of places that you can find me. I try to do my best on all the socials. Uh, I do my best to post a lot of places. Um, but the website is really the, the place where you can access everything, find everything, reach out to me. Um, if you're interested in piano, you know, whatever it is, it's all there. Well, uh, you know, wishing you the best 2024. Hope we, we connect in person at some point this year once again, because it was really great last year. And yes. uh, yeah, I just want to say, well, thank you for taking time to chat with me today. Thank you so much, David. It's a pleasure. And that's going to wrap up episode number 59. And this is the point in uh, the episode where I would encourage you to look at my show notes and click on the link for Fonz if that would suit you. But I really missed out on an opportunity of not asking Melissa about Fonz because she is a fellow Fonz client and also someone who uh, in 
in our coaching sessions kind of helped me get set up when I was brand new on the platform. But if you have a private studio of any kind, Fonz can help you with your admin work. Use the link in the show notes to go ahead and start your free trial and see what all it can do for you. Uh, Just an announcement of sorts in case you missed it on the appropriate social media feeds. This past weekend, I published the final episode ever, at least as far as I can foresee, of Life in the Pit. So if you followed me on that other podcast, honestly, this was the first episode that I had published in, I think, nearly seven months. We only did three episodes last year, and two of them were just because they were relevant to current events. For those who have ever checked out an episode of Life in the Pit, I just want to say thank you so much for having been a listener and for supporting that podcast. It still gets a lot of new listens every single week, even though I haven't been posting new content. So I'm very grateful for that. That podcast was very specific toward musicians who played in the theater, specifically played like the instrumental books for a show. It filled an important gap in the podcasting world, and I met a lot of great people on that podcast, both listeners as well as guests that have become my friends. And a lot of what they these guests told me on that podcast gave me ideas for things that I wanted to explore deeper as concepts on this podcast. So the Musician Toolkit is still going to be going strong, coming out with a new episode every Monday without fail as long as I can help it. But Life in the Pit, we put a closing ribbon on that. But there are several dozens of episodes that you can go check out if you haven't before on on the feed. If you want to hear anything about theater musicians, we covered quite a bit. So that's going to wrap up episode number 59. Can't believe it. Episode number 60 is almost here, and that will be next week. So I will see you once again next week. Until then, thank you so much for listening.